hope you guys have been enjoying the Holy Spirit series. I hope you guys have been relating to the Holy Spirit. I hope you guys have been engaging. I hope this is not something that we're just preaching to. I hope this is something that's going into your heart. Yes? It's been four or five weeks. Come on, guys. Catch up right now. Just joking. Um, and we actually had a shorter series, and, and Pastor Carlos decided, you know what? We have one more subject that we need to address. And by the way, I'm not the lead pastor if you're brand new. I am Pastor Tom. Hi. Hello. Okay, good. We got introductions down. Okay, good. Uh, we needed one more teaching to go, and today's teaching is called, A Relationship with the Holy Spirit Brings Protection. And what are we protected from? Well, bottom line, this is what I'm talking about today. And I hope I'm not scaring you, and you can't leave yet. You have to stay here. We're talking about spiritual warfare. Yes. Spiritual warfare. And the battle exists whether you know it or not. Maybe some of us have seen the battle. We've like, whoa, we've experienced pretty heavy things. Maybe we don't even know it, but I want to tell you, whether you see it or not, it is there. And you're in a church. There are churches that will not preach about hell. They will not preach about demons or, or Satan or whatever it is, but it's in the Bible. It's in there. And so you're in a church that will preach about these things. Actually, in the Bible, Ephesians 6, we're going to talk about the armor of God, which I love that verse. You should know Ephesians 6. But it starts off with this. Paul writes, uh, Ephesians 6, verse 10, a final word. That's when he says that, you perk up your ears. It's like, oh, by the way, I have something really important to tell you, a final word, and it's this. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Do I need to explain that verse? It's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? that there is a devil out there, and he is strategizing against you. In 1 Peter 5, it says this, verse 8, stay alert. Here's Peter writing, hey, this is important. What's important? Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls, or prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. And what we have to realize is there is a spiritual realm out there that there are angels, amen? Yeah. And there's demons, there's a heaven and a hell. And I'm not here to scare you. I'm actually, I want to open your eyes because with my relationship with the Holy Spirit for the last how long, whatever it is that I've been building, I've, I, I have, I'm one thing I'm certain of is that when I operate in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, because we talked about that, right? Pastor Carl said some pretty powerful things, didn't he? that the, the Holy Spirit does. But when I, I know what happens on, in this earth before we go to heaven is that there's the Holy Spirit and he does incredible things and he wants to do it and he does it perfectly. Amen. Then Amen. there's me. I have the best intentions in the world, but guess what? I can mess things up. Maybe not you. Maybe you guys are perfect. But I can mess things up. Any, come on, give me an amen on that. I can mess things up for God. I can mess up God's plans. I can then the third thing that is there is the enemy. He definitely wants to mess things up. Actually, the, ver the uh, ver uh, verse says it's, he's organized and he's strategizing. And I, it's kind of funny to me to think about it, but I can, I can see the enemy, demons and whatever, they're sitting at a boardroom. They're sitting at a table. And then before their day starts, they're like, okay, what are we going to do about Bob? I always use Bob in my sermons, and here, one more time. 
they're going through the list. What are we going to do about Mildred? How can we deceive her? I know she loves the Lord, but how can I cast doubt? What kind of lie could I give her that is going to make her fall or slip or whatever it is? That's how the enemy operates, can you, right? And, and as a pastor, I have, I've experienced the spiritual realm. I have experienced the demonic. I've, I've experienced oppression. We've done deliverances on people. But I'm not going to be talking about that today because the majority of you guys are not going to experience that extreme version of the, of the spiritual realm, of the enemy. Because literally, we, we are bombarded every single day, whether you know it or not. And, and he's subtle. He's not going to be like, ah! He's subtle, insidious. He wants to seep in there. But the great thing is, and I don't want to scare you. My goal is not to scare you, so open your eyes because I want to state one thing very clear. Jesus has already won the victory. Amen. Come on. So let's start off there, that Jesus already won the victory on the cross. Uh, man, I hope you go to the movie, Son of God. Actually, I hope you get the free ticket, and I hope you give it to someone else, and then you pay for yourself and go with that person. That might be cool. Thanks. That's my brother right there. My brother's all, that'd be cool. That's a cool idea. You're going to take me. Thanks. All right, cool. Where, I don't even know where I was. Uh, but Jesus already won the victory through the resurrection. Right? He conquered sin and death. And so uh, there's a cool story that I actually want to uh, share with you guys in 2 Kings, if you want to turn there. 2 Kings verse, uh, chapter 6. And uh, it was uh, the Israelites, they're, they're constantly, you read Kings and Chronicles, they're always in war. And it was the uh, nation of Israel against the nation of Aram. And they were just fighting for property and whatever it was. And Elisha was the prophet for Israel, of course. And God would always tell Elisha where the troops of Iran was, Aram was. So like he would always warn the king of Israel, oh, they're going to be there, so don't go there. And you can imagine the king of Aram just going, what is going on? Who's the traitor in the camp? They're going, no, it's that guy Elisha. And so king of Aram's like, you know what? Let's get rid of that guy Elisha. Let's get rid of the man of God. And in 2 Kings verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 14, it says this. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God uh, got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. This was uh, the, the servant of Elisha was freaking out. Elisha, what are we going to do? Here's Elisha's response. Don't be afraid. Elisha told him, get this. For there are more on our side than on theirs. Isn't that powerful already? I'm not even done with the verse yet. But Elisha's saying, there is more on our side than on theirs. And so the, imagine the servant, like, uh, hello, there's one, two. There's, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, what are you talking about? Confusing, right? So Elisha then prayed to the Lord. Oh, Lord. Open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. The good guys, the good guys. I want to be clear on that, right? Come on, imagine this. The, the hosts, the heaven's armies, chariots of fire was on the hillside. And, the, and then the, the servant's like, oh, yeah, you're, we're good. We're real good. These physical army cannot battle God's army. And, I, I wanna, I, and, and you might say to yourself, oh, that's the Old Testament, Tom. That's the way it was back then. 
But I want to say one thing. I think we actually have the advantage in this day because we have Jesus Christ. And we have the filling of the Holy Spirit. And in 1 John 4.4, I want to open your eyes to this because this is uh, an incredible verse that you should know, memorize, hold in your heart. 1 John 4.4 4 says, But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won the victory over these people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. Now that should open your eyes. You should have that, the hillside, boom. It means the Holy Spirit that we've been talking about because we've been very clear here, right? Starting from John Bevere. How many guys were here? John Bevere. He very clearly stated that the Holy Spirit is not some entity out there just, whoa. he is where? He is in us. He resides in us because we are temples of the Holy Spirit and he resides in us. He is in it. And guess what? That spirit, the creator, the creator of the devil, you have to remember Satan is a created being. By who? God. The creator is inside of us and the Holy Spirit is greater than the, the spirit that is in this world. You have to know that power that is in, inside of you. And so and I want to get to the, well, if it's a spiritual warfare, what are you talking about, Tom? Come on, are you talking about the heebie-jeebie stuff? Are you talking about the scary stuff? What are you talking about? And we're been, like I said before, we are been, been being bombarded constantly by the enemy. And we have to acknowledge what they are. And I'm going to give you a list of how the enemy attacks us. Just give you a list. And how did I get this list? I actually looked at Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6 is the armor and weapons of God. And I looked at that, and isn't the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit? Even though it's written by Paul, it's written by John, and written by all these Moses and all these guys, it's, it's so amazing to me how cohesive it is and how unified it is. And when I read the armor of God, I was amazed that each piece of the armor actually reveals what we are being protected from. And so it's going to get a little bummer for a little bit. I promise it's going to get better because <laughs> I'm going to reveal how the enemy attacks and how what's one major attack here's one if you're taking notes lies doesn't the enemy just lie to you and that's one of his major tools is lies and actually Jesus himself said in John that the devil is the father of lies he actually you know we think we come on let's be honest who likes scary movies Okay, thank you for being honest, like when we're in church. Okay, yeah, I like that. Right. We, you know what? I don't think the enemy is out to scare you as much. And sometimes he will, he was, but I think on a, on a daily basis, he will actually lie to you more. He wants to deceive you. And, what, and here, what's the three? Uh, there's three things I really believe that he wants to lie to you about. He wants to lie to you about the character of God. How do you view God? He wants to lie about that. He wants to say, nope, he doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. He doesn't have your back. He's not going to answer your prayers. But one thing he want, another thing he wants to lie about is how God views you. He wants you to go, no, man, my sin is too much. My past is too dirty. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have any giftings. And he wants you to think God will never, ever use you. The other thing he wants to lie about is how you view yourself. He wants to lie about that. Actually, he wants to lie about your spouse, Right? He does. He wants to lie about how well, your spouse is thinking or whatever it is. He wants to do that because here's the thing. Does God have a plan for us? Does God have a glory for us? He does. God has this for us. Satan wants to keep you down here. He wants to keep you subdued. He wants to keep you on the couch. If he can't kill you because he wants to, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. If he can't kill you, he's going to steal your 
God's glory from you. He wants to steal God's plan from you, so he's going to lie to you. That's one. Okay? Still with me? I know. It gets better. Okay. Um, the next attack is the desires of your sinful nature. The desires. He wants to ignite the desires of your sinful nature. Right? We all have a sinful nature. Amen. Only me? Okay. Amen. I do. We were born with it. We were born into sin. We have certain things, and every single one of us have a, a mixed cocktail of, of different things that we struggle with, that the devil knows that we are tempted with. Uh, Pastor Frank read Galatians 5. But he was talking about the fruits of the Spirit. He did a great job, right? And he read this scripture about uh, the sinful nature inside of us. And what, does that, what fruit does that bear? Well, it says here, Galatians 5, verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. Doesn't stop there. Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and I love this. And other sins like these. So here's the thing. We might have been going through this list, and you're just like, nope, I got that covered. I, not, I got that covered. I got that covered. Oh, man. I, got, I, I struggle with that. And if you made it through the whole list, and you're going, ooh, I'm pretty good. Guess what? Other sins like these, that's you included. Right? We're all included. We all have things that Satan knows. I'm going to, ooh, I'm going to put you in that position. I'm going to tempt you with that. This is, you struggle with the anger. You struggle with that lust. Ooh, and I want you to always go to the place where this is the worst place where you can be, where you're tempted. Come on, we're all on that same page, right? We all deal with that. He wants to ignite. That's how he attacks you. You have to be aware of that. Another thing, another way he attacks us is he gives us obstacles to sharing the, uh, the gospel. He gives us obstacles and distractions to sharing the gospel because Jesus called us to be his witness. Jesus called us to be disciples into the whole world. Well, Satan does not want that to happen, so he will try as hard as he can to keep you from doing that. Um, I went to Midpac. Anybody? Two people, including my brother. Awesome! Nobody. I went to Midpac, and here's the one thing I regret about my junior high and high school years. I was ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because I wanted friends. I, didn't, I was fear of rejection. Uh, I was fearful. I, I, I didn't want to know what to do. And how many years later, I, I think, man, where are my dear friends, and where are they? Are they going to go to hell? Are they dead? I don't know. And I didn't even take a chance to share the gospel with them because I bit the bait of Satan saying, nope, I need my friends and I need my little world. And man, I, I, miss, I miss opportunities. I really, really did. That's the one thing I regret. There were obstacles there. Don't let the obstacles hold you back. Here's another powerful weapon of the enemy, doubt. And, and all of these are intertwined because it's mixed in with lies. You, get, you believe the lie, then you doubt the Lord. He wants you to doubt God for this one thing because it dramatically deteriorates your relationship with Jesus Christ. You guys believe me in that? Yep. Because if you doubt God, you're not going to pray to him. If you doubt God, his word's going to seem kind of like, ah, I don't want to do that today. If you doubt God, you might go to church on a weekly basis because that's the thing you have to do, right? We come, on, we come to church on Sunday, right? But you might walk in here and worship's going to start. And worship was wonderful this morning, by the way, wasn't it? One, just worship was powerful. But you're, you probably, maybe even today, you walked in with a little bit of doubt, and you're just worshiping God. Just, uh, 
Yeah? Yeah, he's good. Not that good. But he's good. Because there's doubt. It dramatically deteriorates the relationship with the Lord. It does. And the last one I want to um, address here is pride and self-reliance. Pride, no, no, no one struggles with that here, right? Pride and self-reliance. You might think yourself, oh, I'm really, I'm smart enough, right? Remember that Saturday Night Live? I'm good enough. And we say to ourselves, and, and you know, you might have gifts, you might have charisma, you might have knowledge. I spoke to one lady last night, she's going for a PhD. I'm like, whoa, I'm in the presence of just, whoa, genius. Really smart woman. But the danger of that is we can actually become our own God. We can actually be so prideful, you can, and this attitude can seep in. And I've, I've had this attitude. This attitude of, I can do this without God. Anybody had that attitude before? Don't raise your hand. I can do, you, like, oh, this, God, you can take this. God, you can take control of this. But this little realm, dude, you can take a buy on this because I got this. And we compartmentalize God. And we say, nope, I, I can take care of this because I'll do, I'm, I got some brains. I got some skills. But I really believe this, this, this attitude of rebellion can seep in. This attitude of I can do it and you're self-reliant on yourself. It's dangerous. You guys ready for the good stuff? Yes. Okay, good. You're like, going, come on, Tom, I can't handle any more of this already. Okay. Well, guess what? God has provided answers for every single one of those. He's provided a protection and weapons for every single one of these. And let's go to Ephesians 6, verse 13. This is the good stuff. I love this. I love the armor of God. Verse 13 says, Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll uh, still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. That's good stuff. The problem with the, you know, I grew up in church. Anybody grew up in church? It's like Sunday school, you, you learn the body of armor, and like you have those plastic pieces of armor, like, yay, woohoo, get the belt of truth, yay. Uh, the problem with that, and I'm just speaking for myself, and I think there's more there out there, is that we believe that these pieces of armor is something we put on, and then, well, I'm good. It's like, there's the helmet, there's the shield, there's, and I put this on 30 years ago, and I'm good. And it, it becomes a stagnant piece of whatever it is. It just, boom, and, and there's no growth in the Lord. And I, we're talking about the Holy Spirit here. And the only way to keep the armor of God and his weapons alive in your life, active in your life, is to have a relationship, an ongoing relationship, what we've talked about for the last four weeks, with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Are you hearing me? Amen. It's this constant communication because... It's at those times when the shield gets stronger. It's at those times when the body armor gets larger, when the helmet gets more defensive. You know, it's like, it, it happens because we're growing in the Lord, growing in his knowledge of him. And so I'm going to address every single piece of armor here. And the first one is the belt of truth. And obviously, what, is that, what does that protect us against from? Lies, right? Truth battles lies. And I think this is so important that we have the belt of truth because remember the three lies that I said, right? How, uh, how we view God, how God views us, and how we view ourselves. 
if we have the truth about that, it makes all the difference in the world, let me tell you. And this is more than just reading the Bible. This is more than just um, your devotion time and I memorize a verse. Because I really believe if we have a living Holy, a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he is going to reveal more of Jesus' character to us. He's going to reveal how God views us even more. You know, last week, um, Pastor Carl shared a great story of how, you know, he brought Pastor Brian Houston here, and he spoke in, in a big conference, but then he had a word specifically for Carl. And it was amazing that, that God went through all that trouble just to say to Carl, I love you. And I had a similar experience. There was a time a couple years back, now way back, that I was just going through a lot of uh, stuff. And the world was really just falling apart. And I was seeking the Lord, and so I, I was a pastor at the time, I was a junior high pastor at the time, and I went to San Francisco for the Foursquare Convention with like Pastor Carl and Kanani and a whole bunch of us, and we had a whole crew. And one day of the convention, I found myself alone because everyone bailed on me. They had all this important stuff to do, and I wasn't that important. So I was by myself. <laughs> And I had like four hours to like kill. I'm like, I don't know what to do now. And so I'm just going to walk the city. I'm just going to walk and cruise. I'm going to walk all the way here. And I just did that. And I just heard the Holy Spirit, you know, it's like, hey, why don't you hang out with me? I'm like, what a grand idea. I'm just going to hang out with God. And so I really just kind of like, hey, God, what do you want? What do you want to say to me? Like what, you know, it, it was just a wonderful time walking around San Francisco with him. And I can't tell you the whole story, but after two or three hours, my mouth was dropped, my eyes were open, and God incredibly blessed me with, with scriptures and his knowledge about me and the knowledge about him. And I was just blown away. And I, I hope you've had wilderness experiences like that. If not, go into the wilderness. Go to the beach. Talk to God. Let God talk to you. But it was one of those moments where I was like, it was one of those holy moments I experienced in the Lord. And so after all that, I was blown away by God. God was awesome. And then I went home, and I was telling my mom about it. Um, and I remember sitting at her dining room table, going, I was just kind of trying to process the whole thing. I'm like, hey, God did this. God showed me this in, in, in San Francisco while I was walking around. And my mom uh, said, well, I, I have this verse that I read this morning. I read this verse. In Daniel 10, I read a verse. And it kind of relates to what was going on in your life. I'm like, okay, and what happened in San Francisco? So she just started reading it. I was just blown away by how the correlation of what God was showing me. And at the end of what she read, this is what it said. It was, it, the story was an angel was talking to Daniel. And the angel said to Daniel, Daniel, the Lord wants to tell you that you're very precious to the Lord. And I want to tell you, I'm about to cry right now. Because in that moment, I realized that God went through all that trouble showing me what he did in San Francisco. All that trouble to get me into the place where I'm hearing this word from my mom that she read this morning. That, that I am precious to the Lord. Amen. I, started, I started bawling like a little girl on, the, on that kitchen room table. Like, <laughs> you know, it was like, because I had a truth. What was the truth? I am precious to God. And I want to tell you, that made all the difference in the world. When you know the truth, when you know the truth about you, when you know the truth about God, it casts out all the lies of the enemy. Have the belt of truth on. The next piece of armor is the body armor of God's righteousness. And what does the body armor of God's righteousness protect you from? The desires of your sinful nature. And notice, is it your righteousness? 
It's God's righteousness. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It's his righteousness that becomes a cloak upon us. It's not something we work towards. And that scripture that I gave you, that list that you were like, oh man, I struggle with that, whatever. Well, further down that list, uh, further down that verse is Galatians 5 verse 16. It says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So there's this battle going on. There's the Holy Spirit, and then there's your sinful nature. And then James 4, 7 says, I love this. This is one of the most simple, practical verses in the whole Bible of how to fight the enemy. James 4, 7 says this. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's good. I mean, think about it. Humble yourself before God. Okay, worship him, praise him. You're good. You're bigger than me. Awesome. Temptation comes. Do this. No. Resist. And then what will happen? He will flee. He will flee. It's right there. It's simple. And in, in my, in my in, I want to put this in these terms. Our sinful nature is there, isn't it? Allow the Holy Spirit to overwhelm your sinful nature. And what I mean by that is, a lot of us, we deal with our sinful nature in this way. We tuck it away in a closet, stay in there, mm, hide it away, just lock the door, and we don't know that there's a lock on the other side. <laughs> oh, you think you locked the door? Here I am! And he rears his ugly head again, and my suggesting to you guys is to bring your sinful nature to the light. Bring it out into the open to trustful people. Don't, don't be advertising your dirty laundry to everybody. That's what many churches is for. Get, get, get good brothers and sisters of the Lord. Confess it to the Lord. Let God heal it. Are you hearing me? Don't be shame about it. I was talking to a guy this week, one of my, uh, a good friend that goes to another church, and a couple years back, he was struggling with stuff, and he was, he was asking me for advice, and he's a local guy, so I said this to him. You know what? Don't be shame. <laughs> and what I meant by that, because, come on, locals, right? Don't be shame, right? You know what I'm talking about. He was, sh he was shamed about his sin. He was shamed about his struggles in life. I said, don't be shame. Bring it to the light. Talk to somebody about it. Confess it to God. Let God heal it. And I, t I met with him this week. And I said, how's it going? How are you doing? And he said, an interesting thing. I thought, wow, this, that's pretty cool. He's all, you know what? I did what you, I did what you said. I, I kind of I brought it to the light. I brought it to people that I trusted, and they helped me, and I, I was letting God just heal me and, and doing all that. And guess what? You know what the weirdest thing is? What's really, really weird is now I walk around with no condemnation or guilt. It's really weird. I'm like, well, I want that kind of weird. Don't you want that kind of weird? Like you're just walking out with your head lifted high. And you're like, wait, I'm not worried about this anymore. This is not a stronghold anymore. And I know we struggle with stuff, and I know it's a process. I know that. Please don't get me wrong. It's like it's going to be instantly like that. But what I'm telling you is let the Holy Spirit drown your sinful nature. Don't hide it away. Don't hide it away. Let the, the armor of God's righteousness be your cover. The next piece of um, armor here is the shoes. Uh, that's kind of weird. You're like, shoes? Well, okay, we got shoes. It's the shoes of good news of peace. 
And what that protects you from, actually what it is used for, is to stomp out and kick away the obstacles that are keeping you from sharing the good news about Jesus Christ to your friends and your family. It's these shoes, right? Imagine me in high school at Midpac. I was like, I'm ashamed. I don't want to lose my friends. I don't want to, I'm the, I got the fear of rejection. You know what I should have put on? Kapoom! Stomped it, kick it away. You want to know Jesus? Okay, all right, let's do this. Are you hearing me? What is keeping you from sharing the, the Lord with someone? Um, and here's the thing, you might be afraid. You might be afraid of, you don't have the answers. You might get rejected. You don't know what to say. And my advice to you guys, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Tap into the, holy, the genius of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows what they're struggling with. Knows where their heart is. Know what the right approach is. Oh, what's the way, what right way to come with that? I was meeting with a guy today um, in the back. And my, my, uh, he actually met my brother-in-law, which been, we've been trying to get to church for years. And uh, they just have a common bond. And I was like, man, I could see this guy that I met, like, really ministering to my brother-in-law. I was like, dude, we, I'm like, I was like, dude, let's tag team this. Let's do this. Obstacles away, amen? amen? We can bring people back to Jesus Christ. Kick those obstacles. We're the, the shoes of peace. Second uh, Timothy ver, uh, 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's what it says. The next... Uh, piece of armor, I love this one, the shield of faith. You got to love the shield of faith. It's like, ding, whatever it is, right? And I know it's one of the, this is the one that you shouldn't be this stagnant thing because faith always grows, doesn't it? Always builds upon itself. And what does faith protect you from? It protects you from doubt. It protects you from, from the lies of the enemy that says God is not real and God does not have your back. And how do I know this? Because remember what I said about doubt? Doubt destroys your relationship with the Lord. It destroys your prayer life and your worship life. How do I know this? Because I went through it. There was a time in my life that everything, I'm talking about everything was falling apart. Anybody with me on that? That you just like, the world is falling apart. Everything is going wrong. And there was a famous, there was a, my, one of my favorite verses in the world that I held on to since high school. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are good and not for disaster, they're for a hope and a future. You know that one? I love that verse. That was a promise that I held unto the Lord. But when the world was falling apart and when I had all these doubts, you know what happened to me? I doubted that verse. I didn't even want to hear that verse. I thought it was not true. I said, you know what, God, if this is your plan for me, it sucks. Am I speaking to anybody? I really, really thought that. Like, my favorite verse has become the worst verse because I don't believe it. And my worship life went down. And my prayer life, and I was like, whoa, what's going on, Lord? And here's two decisions you can make when you're in that place of doubt, when you're that deep. You can either run from God, you can run away, run away from God's people, run away from church. I actually wanted to do that. I actually wanted to go to Japan and teach English and, re and eat ramen for the rest of my life. That sounds pretty good, actually. I want to go eat some ramen right now. <laughs> I'm going to go to Japan. I wanted to run away. I thought, you know what? God's plan or just ramen and teaching English. For like, I'm going to do everything. It's like, whatever it is. That would be my life. And that sounded pretty good. The other choice, instead of running, was to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. Cling to him despite my doubts. Cling to him despite my circumstances. Cling to him even though he wasn't answering my prayers. 
I was going to cling to him anyway. And you know what happened? He showed up. He said stuff to me. And you know what? Some of those prayers that I prayed, I'm going to be honest, he didn't answer them. But you know what? He gave me his love. He gave me revelation about him. He gave me revelation about myself. And you know what happened? San Francisco happened. You get what I'm saying? When I, have, when I opened myself to the Holy Spirit, when I said, you know what, you're all I've got, I'm going to cling to you despite all this, God showed up in a powerful way beyond my prayers, beyond what I could even imagine he, he could do, he did. He blew my mind away. And you know what happens when you open yourself to the Holy Spirit? You experience him. And what happens when you experience him, you go, wait, my God is real. And when you say my God is real, your faith is built. And when your faith is built, your doubt lessens. When you lift up the, field, the shield of faith, it's an amazing thing because he wants to come at you. But now I stand because of all the things that God has done for me. When I hear God's not real, God doesn't have your back, I say, nope, that is absolutely not true. My God is bigger and better than you, Satan. He created you. My God is incredible. The last piece of uh, armor, and I, actually there's two more weapons we get, but the last piece, piece of armor is the help, helmet of salvation. And what does the helmet of salvation protect you from? Well, it protects you from pride and self-reliance. And you're probably going, Tom, how did you get that? Are you crazy? Are you taking crazy pills? <laughs> I thought about this, and I said, why is the helmet of salvation protecting from that? Isn't Jesus the only one that provides salvation? Isn't he the only one that forgives? Isn't he the one that died on, a cro died on the cross for us and rose from the grave? Isn't he the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. When I, when I think of that, it tells me that no matter how smart I am, no matter how much knowledge I have, no, no matter how much charisma I have, how much gifts I have, that I can think to myself, oh, I have pride, I'm good, I'm self-reliant, I can do this without God. Well, you know what? I can't save myself. I can't work myself to heaven. The only way I can get to heaven, the only way I can get forgiveness is through Jesus Christ, which means he'll always be better than me. He'll be always greater than me. Are you hearing me? He's always, he's the Savior. He's the King of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. And I thought about it. I'm like, that's why it's a helmet, because salvation keeps our head from getting big. <laughs> Just boom, keeps it right there. I'm God. I'm your Savior. I love that. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Well, we got two weapons, and we're almost done. He's done with the armor, and God says, and Paul writes, well, here's the weapons I want to give you. I'm going to give you the sword of the Spirit. I love the way he writes this. The sword of the Spirit, capital S. The sword of the Holy Spirit. But what is the sword of the Holy Spirit? The Word of God. The Word of God. And what this says is, read your Bible. <laughs> know your Bible. Actually, more than reading your Bible... You, could, you should have verses written on your heart. Do you have, you have verses written on your heart? Do you have the Jeremiah 29, 11s in your heart? Do you have the, 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 the John 10, 10s in your heart? Do you have the, the Psalms 37, 4 in your heart? Do you have those in your, and go look those up. Those are good verses, by the way. Do you have that truth in your heart that when the enemy comes, because, you know, when the enemy's going to come, and you're going, oh, man, where's that verse? <laughs> okay, there it is. Whoo. Don't you, don't you want it right there? Like, shit! 
You don't want to be like, <laughs> you want it out there. Know the word of God. And here's the thing. If it's good, for, good enough for Jesus, shouldn't it be good enough for us? Because if you remember, Jesus, when he fought the devil, when he was tempted by the devil, he didn't do supernatural warfare. He didn't, he didn't bring lightning and, and balls of fire upon the devil. What did he do? He quoted, he quoted scripture. He, he quoted scripture to, to the devil when he was tempting him. And if you go to Matthew 4, I'm, only, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But here's Jesus' response to every single temptation. The devil came at him, and he says, no. In Matthew 4, 4, no. The scriptures say, blah, 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 blah. And it shut Satan down. Then Satan tried again. And you know what? Satan is, here's how strategic he is. He knew that Jesus was going to use the scripture, so guess what? He brought his own scripture. He knew scripture as well. He brought a scripture to throw it at Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Matthew 4, 7. Huh? The scriptures also say he threw another scripture back at the enemy. Then in Matthew 4.10, the devil wanted to uh, take Jesus' authority away. He said, you know what? If you bow down to me, I'm going to give you all this stuff. I'm going to give you authority over here, but I'm going to be your authority. And I love this because Jesus stands up in his authority as the son of God. And he says this in Matthew 4.10, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, I love that because he commanded the devil to get out, but he also said, but the scriptures, the verse say, like I said, if it's good enough for Jesus, shouldn't it be good enough for us? The verses should be written on our hearts. And here's the thing. Is God, is Jesus the Lord of all lords? Yeah. Is he king of all kings? Yes. Does he have all authority? Yes. Has he given us authority? Yes. Okay, that lessened a little bit. Yes, he has. He has given us his authority. And it's not our authority, but Jesus has our back as king of all kings. And he has given us that authority. Actually, in, in Luke 10, and we're almost done here. In Luke 10, verse 19, there was a, a story when Jesus sent out the, the disciples. There was uh, 72 beyond the, the disciples that he had with the 12. He sent the 72 out in pairs. And they're coming back with these glorious reports. They're like, whoa, what's going on? And they were just, they were like so stoked because stuff was happening. And in Luke 10, verse 19, it says this. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And isn't that amazing? We use your, that's why we pray those things, in Jesus' name. Because we use his authority, it's not ours. But the demons were listening. They're all, dude, awesome, Cool. And then Jesus responds, yes. He told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. And I think that is a great verse. And actually, I could be wrong about this verse, but it sounds to me that Jesus is a little irritated. He's a little irritated because they're coming up and they're bragging. Look, Jesus, the demons obey us in your name. Can you believe that? And Jesus is like, look, I have given you all authority over the power of the enemy. I am the son of God. Don't you know that? I am the Messiah. You have been with me. Shouldn't you know this? Why are you surprised that when you use my name, the demons are cast out? 
you know what? You should rejoice because they're like, you shouldn't rejoice or brag about demons listening to you. You should rejoice that your names are registered in heaven, that you are my children, that you are my followers, that God knows you. Are you hearing me? That's way more important because here's the thing. I hope you, don't, you guys are, don't go out here and go, ooh, because of Tom's incredible message, I'm going to fight the enemy. I'm going to fight the devil. That's not my goal. Because you know what? That's not, we're, not, we're not here to fight the devil. You know what the fight is? The fight is to win more souls to Jesus Christ. That's what we should be doing. But if I know how to, to, to thwart the, the attacks of the enemy and be a more of an effective witness for him, then so be it. But he's saying, you know what, more importantly than you battling Satan and knowing how to do that, more importantly is you are the children of the living God. And the Holy Spirit that is in you is greater than the Holy Spirit that lives in this world. I think that's so encouraging, isn't it? And the last piece of, um, last weapon that God gives you, and I love this, and I think this is so important, and I want to close with this, is to pray in the Spirit. And that's a weapon. It's to pray. And not just to pray, but I love this. It says pray in the Spirit. And what does that mean? Whether that means you being guided by the Holy Spirit because you have this relationship, you're building this relationship, and so he's giving you things to pray about, or he's giving you revelations, or he's giving you more knowledge about God and about yourself and, your plan, and his plan for your life. That's praying in the Spirit. Or even if you're using the spiritual language of tongues, I think that's awesome. You're using tongues as a way of, of battling in the spirit. And he says this, to pray at all occasions, at all times. And what does that mean? You know, the one thing I've discovered uh, uh, for the last two years, I've, you know, we had kids and I have twins. And, you know, the one thing that I used to love in my singlehood and in my pre-kid time was my time with the Lord. My coffee and my Bible. And it was so peaceful and quiet. Those times do not exist anymore. My, my wife was jealous yesterday watching people sit at Starbucks just by themselves. My wife was literally like, I envy those people. I don't have those times, but you know what the Lord has taught me? You can pray with a baby in your hand. You can talk to me in the car. You can talk to me anytime you want. Don't compartmentalize. Yeah, yes, you know what? Have the, the good devotion time. Have the wilderness experience. But don't do it there. Do it everywhere. Do it at all times. Talk to me. Have a communion with me. Sit with me. That's what it's taught. Pray in the Spirit. Be in constant, constantly in the presence of the Lord. I hope this was good for you guys. Yeah. Hope you guys are equipped. went a little over, but let's bow our heads and pray. God, I want to come before you right now. I want to thank you so much uh, that you are such a powerful God, that you are an amazing God. Lord, I thank you for the armor that you give me. Thank you for the weapons that you give me. Um, Lord, I pray for every single person here that we, that our names would be registered in heaven, that we would be children of, of God, that we know that we, where we stand and we believe in you, and that because of that, Holy Spirit, you're residing in us, and I pray that you would just grow in power there and actually grow in, our, in the relationship that we have with you, and in that, that this armor would come alive in us, that this armor would be, be uh, uh, not the stagnant thing, but we'd always be growing, 
and being stronger and that we know how to thwart the attacks of the enemy, Lord. I just pray for protection. I pray for wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would uh, guard anyone from doubt and the lies of the enemy that are coming around the obstacles that are going to bring the gospel out to the world out there that need it so desperately. I pray, Father God, that you would equip our people right now, that you set a blaze, that you open our eyes to know that the, the chariots are on the hillside, that the, spirit, that the Holy Spirit, the spirit that's in us, is greater than the spirit that lives in this world. Let us live that. Let us stand in that. And Lord, I pray for anyone here that is struggling with those sinful desires, that doubt, those lies. I pray that you would cast them out right now in Jesus' name, that you would start them on a process of your Holy Spirit overwhelming them right now in Jesus' precious name. You would overwhelm them. That your truth would pour on them. That you would reveal incredible truth to them through the word. Through friends, through other brothers and sisters sharing true word to them. Pour your truth on them, Lord Jesus. Cast doubt aside. 